0: So good to be with you. We, Michelle and I are honored to be here. It's, uh, it's very exciting. We have set our hearts to um, say to the Lord, we want to go where the Lord leads. When, when you start getting offers to go and minister at different places, you, that's great. And when the offers exceed your ability to go, then you start having to become, you have to start having to make the choices. Well, do we go here or do we go there? And so what we've settled in our heart um, some years back. We go to the places where God puts the people in our heart. Paul said, it's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. So we, we sat down and said, forget all the, the offers. Who's in our heart? Who, who are the people we think about when we're not with you? Who are the people we pray for that our hearts turn? And you, you're one of those churches, so we're just thrilled to be here. It's an honor. Thank you for having us. I'm intrigued um, at the processes of God. One of the things the Lord said to me this week is that I brought you this way because I wanted you humble and I wanted you thankful. said, if you'd have gone the way that you wanted to go, you would have been arrogant and biting. So I took you this way, so that you'd be humble and grateful. I want to talk just briefly before we introduce the two new pastors that are coming on staff. And I want to just briefly talk about, uh, if if you wouldn't mind, let's take a fathering moment and talk about, let's just recognize, uh, perceive what the Lord is doing right now in this church at this time. Because that's an extremely helpful place for us. In the book of Revelation, Jesus appears to John, and uh, John sees this vision of Jesus walking between seven lampstands, and he's got seven stars in his hand. And he says, Jesus says to John, the mystery of the seven lampstands is this, that these represent seven churches. And the mystery of the seven stars are these are the angelos, the messengers, the servant leaders of those churches. And so he begins then to talk to the servant leaders of each church. He doesn't talk to the church, he talks to the leader of the church to the angel of the church at Sardis write. And so w- the way God works is that he appoints somebody and he puts a responsibility on them to watch over a group of people, and then he gives them the authority that's commensurate with the responsibility that they've, uh, they've accepted. Does that make sense? So when you accept somebody, but that's not, that's not necessarily anybody can vote themselves into the position. That's someone the Lord sets in place. And so when the Lord has a vision, a mission, a planting in mind he appoints somebody to lead it and he holds them accountable it doesn't mean they're perfect it just means that when god's talking to you free life he's going to hold somebody accountable in our case our church northlands the lord holds us step forward michelle and i have these moments we call them you know the 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 angel times with the lord where we go and say lord what are you saying what is there because The standard of this is mirrored in the Domitian games where Domitian, the emperor at the time, would have people come in and have them kneel in front of him and he'd say, they'd give him a report about what's going on in their region. And he'd say, I like what you're doing here, but I have this against you. And so the book of Revelation mirrors that same idea where Jesus calls leaders who are accountable to him and says, I like what's going on in your church here. What I don't like is going back and fix this. So if you understand that there is a passion in the heart of God, he has something in mind for this region. And so because he has something in mind, he finds somebody that has his heart and he appoints them to lead. And then he starts to appoint people around them that would stand and help them take the responsibility of leadership. Now this is one of the weirdest things because it's one of the most jealously guarded things of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is particularly jealous over who gets to appoint leaders in his church. We sometimes, if you're not aware of this, we think, well, we appoint leaders on the basis of who's been here the longest, who attends the most meetings, who gives the most money, who's got the loudest complaint, you know, like we appoint people in churches for the craziest reasons. If you understand in scripture, when the Holy Spirit appoints by revelation, that's why All the elders that you can find that were appointed in the New Testament were appointed by apostolic figures after prayer and fasting. The appointment of people to eldership and to a leadership role in the church is always the stuff of revelation in addition to the recognition that their lives are in order. So, there is a place where we recognize, yeah, they, are, they have a good marriage. They do serve the Lord. They do have an act of faith. Their kids are well behaved. They, there is order in there. They have a good reputation in the community. They, they're not wanted, you know, you're not going to see them on TV. <laughs> they don't owe a whole bunch of money that they've stolen from somebody. These are, these are people of integrity, and we go, great. That's what we want. And the truth about this is, because we go, wow, they must be really deep and spiritual. No. 90% of the church should qualify under 1 Timothy 3 rules of what is acceptable for an elder. So it's not like there's a separate standard for elders and, and then the rest of us can live differently. It's not like an elder must not be given too much wine, but the rest of you psh, get drunk as much as you like. Because we tend to think that way, right? But it's not. Paul, when he's writing to Timothy in Timothy 3, and he's saying, look, this is what you must make sure that an elder lives up by these standards. He's not saying this is a special standard for elders. This is the standard that we all need to adhere to. It just says, just make sure that the people you're going to appoint to an eldership role are living by the standard that we're all supposed to live to. Because you don't want to put somebody in authority and give them authority, and their life is not a good example to follow. So Jesus, when he comes into a region, he has something in mind. Because in uh, Revelation chapter 2, he writes to the church at Ephesus and he goes, Look, guys, to the angel of the church at Ephesus, right? He goes, like, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. I know that you've tested those who say they're apostles, but they're not. Am I speaking too quickly? Because no. some people are staring at me like, You guys are used to funny accents, though, in this church, right? So he goes, He says, But I, I have this against you. You've lost your first love. You guys are crazy busy. You are actively engaged in a whole bunch of things. You are scurrying around and executing on things and things are getting done. There's a whole bunch of smoke and light and stuff is going on. I have this problem though. It's not what I wanted you to do. You're not on my page. You heard me say one thing. You ran out the room and you started doing stuff. And I go, whoa, 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 come back. We're over here. So he says, repent and do the things you did at first. Because if you don't get back on my page, I'm going to take this lampstand away. Because I planted this church for a reason. And you guys said, great idea. And you ran in the wrong direction. And so Jesus says to the church at Ephesus, guys, if you guys don't get back on my page, if you don't hear my heart, because I have a purpose. I planted this church in this region for a purpose. And it's not about my preference or your preference. It's about what he wanted this church to accomplish. So when you join a church, it's important to go, Lord, Holy Spirit, what is it that you have in mind? Because I'm sure you, just like me, I don't want to join a church where there's just smoke and light and stuff's going on and I'm incredibly busy and I climb the Christian ladder and I get to the end of it and realize I've climbed to the top of the wrong building. The Lord's actually over there. Okay line i don't want to do i don't want to be that guy so i'm particularly anxious to say holy spirit what is your good pleasure what is it that you want to do so let me give you an example i know i'm taking a little while but i want to belabor this point we planted our church and we had three people come in and they said the lord says this is an oasis and i didn't like that i didn't want to be an oasis and after the third person prophesied you're an oasis I went to the Lord, I was a little bit huffy. I don't want to be an oasis. I want to be a launching pad. I don't want to be something else. And, the Lord, and that's when the Lord told me this. Son, you can either be on my page, or you can go around and paint your own. But if you want to paint your own, good luck. Bless you. But I'm going to be over here doing this thing. Now, I invited you to be part of what I'm trying to plant. Would you like to be on my page? I go, yes, sir. I really would. I really would like to be active and involved in serving and doing. I want to be. I want to be doing the thing that you had in mind when you called this church into being. So here's the truth: the Holy Spirit is going to be doing something here for this church. He has something in mind. He has appointed leaders. He's going to be very jealously guarding who he appoints into eldership acts 20 paul said to the ephesian elders keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of god of which the holy spirit appointed you The overseers. It is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to appoint people to oversight. So it's not really about, well, I think I'm a better leader. I think I can preach better than those people. It's about who the Holy Spirit said, I want these people to be in eldership at this time. Because now, when the Holy Spirit comes to move in this church, he wants to cooperate with the people that he appointed. Are we tracking? So that's why the appointment of elders, what we're about to do, is not just the stuff of, hey, who thinks they're nice people? Or, you know, oh, he's a snappy dresser or whatever, you know. It's about Holy Spirit. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And I think I can say with confidence it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us that these men should come on to eldership and their families with them. What I believe the Lord is doing. Uh, And this is a little prophetic edge. What I believe the Lord is doing with your church is he's bringing alignment inside this church because he has an agenda in this community. There is a very specific calling on your church to impact your your city, your community, your county. There's a call of God on this church to impact way beyond the four walls of this church. Uh, Remarkably so. um, Substantially so. And in order for God to, to impact the much greater city with what he's doing here, he has to bring together a group of people. Let me explain. The Spirit of God is in you and on you. Because the anointing that you have received, John says, abides in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go anymore like he did in the Old Testament. Now the New Testament, the blood of Jesus Christ, which is a once for all, for all time sacrifice, has been applied to your heart. And he has completely cleansed you. So there is nothing else. There is no other sacrifice necessary. And because the blood of Jesus is applied to your heart when you believed, the Holy Spirit came to take up permanent residence in you. He doesn't come and go even though sometimes we're foolish because the blood of Jesus is an all-consuming sacrifice. Are you tracking with me? So the New Testament says, the anointing that you have received abides in you. The Holy Spirit, David wrote, Lord, please don't take your spirit from me because he'd sinned. But the Holy Spirit now abides in believers because the blood of Jesus Christ has made you clean. That's another sermon for another day, I'm just saying. <laughs> The Holy Spirit is in you and is on you for you. He's in you because he wants to proclaim the Abba Father from you. He wants to settle your identity in your own heart. He wants to guide you into all truth. He's going to teach you about all things. He's going to lead you. You're going to be led by the spirit the holy spirit is in you for you he is on you for other people so that the anointing that abides on you can function you can function in various ministry giftings according to the anointing that's on you and the holy spirit is in you for you he's on you for others but he's among you because jesus said he'll be with you he's, he's with you he'll be in you and that paul says That we together form the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells among us. Jesus said, if two or three of you will come together, there I will be with you. The Holy Spirit is in you for you. He's on you for others, but he's among us. Why? Well, he's among us to create a testimony in this community about the kingdom, what the kingdom looks like in community. The only way that the Holy Spirit is going to transform this community, this city, is when you guys come together in the community in line with the purpose that the Holy Spirit has for your church. Am, am I making sense here? I know it's, I'm taking a long way to go around this, but I want you to understand that you have a responsibility. If you join a church, you have a responsibility that we together become a spiritual house in which God dwells by his spirit. And so of the early church, people standing on the outside looked in and saw those are Christians because they saw how they loved one another. Those are people because the kingdom of God was constantly breaking out among them. Miracles and signs and wonders constantly. People were loving one another. No one claimed that any of the possessions was their own. They shared everything. A testimony took place in the heart of Jerusalem that transformed Jerusalem because people who weren't believers looked at the believers and saw the marked difference of the presiding wholeness of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was among them. And so people wouldn't dare join them, but the Holy Spirit would draw them and they'd get saved and they'd become into a community that shook that whole city, that whole country, and then the whole world. Ask a teacher to do something. I'm sorry, I'm t- it's going long time. What I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is. Right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is bringing things into alignment in your city. He's doing things in this church because he wants to impact the city. So he's brought leaders. He's appointing elders. He's calling for a clarity amongst us. He's calling for members to join together, not just to attend, but to say, Holy Spirit, what is my role here? Because as we come together, we together become a temple that God will dwell in among us by his spirit. The Romans had a saying, where two or three Romans come together, that's where Rome is. (laughs) That's what they would say. This is Rome. Because we're Romans and Roman law applies to us. So this, where we are, this is Rome. And Jesus borrowed the concept and he said, if two or three of you will come together in my name, that I'll be there. And you'll be my gathering. And whatever you ask, my Father will do for you. You can ask anything my father will do it for you and if you two or three of you will agree about anything my father will execute it because you bring the kingdom to this earth and when we come together in agreement when we come together in unity when we come together in submission to the people god has appointed god starts to use not just us individually but us corporately to impact the city this is part of the destiny and calling of god on this church there are a lot of churches that are learning to trust God. There are a few churches that God trusts. You guys have a shot at being one of the churches that God trusts to put his full weight and his full glory and to demonstrate what it's like among the people of God. That is such a far distance from attending church for an hour on a Sunday and checking it off your list. Do you understand? That's not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about being part of a community where we together say, Holy Spirit, come and preside among us. Let your glory move among us. Because it's not about us. It's about the transformation of the city. That is what is at stake. And the appointment of these people to new places of eldership is part of God's alignment of bringing pieces together so that this church can impact this city. And that's what we're about today. Now, uh, this is, because of that's the truth, this alignment thing, I felt like the, the Lord said he wanted to heal people who have any issues with alignment. I was, in, uh, I was in a church recently where the Lord spoke about this to me and he spoke about, I want to clear out the mist in, in the mind of The church was theologically a little skew and he said, I want to clear out the mist in their mind. And he said, to, to prove that, I want to demonstrate a physical healing. And, and so I had people stand and people, uh, this one lady, she was schizophrenic for 12 years. She said instantly it changed. And her brother, who had had um, voices, he, he couldn't, he was depressive. And they stopped instantly when we prayed. We saw miracles. We had a lady uh, I was in another church and the Lord said, I want to clear up the vision of the church. And he said to, to Prove that i want to demonstrate it by healing people's eyes and we had a lady who had cysts on her eyes and when, when i said this the, we prayed and the lord instantly healed she went back to ophthalmologist because he was going to like they were operating and he said oh, it's gone now come back in a year we, we've seen this again and again in churches when typically what the Lord does is because he's proclaiming a spiritual truth, he demonstrates the spiritual truth in a physical healing of the body. Paul said to the Corinthian church, because you have divisions among you and you, you, you're selfish, he says, this is why some of you are weak and sick and die prematurely because what's, what you're causing in the body of Christ is manifesting in you physically. Make sense? So one of the things, so let's make it positive because that was a negative example. <laughs> Uh, but, but let me make it positive because I feel like that I feel like the, the word of the Lord over your churches right now if you understand the Holy Spirit is, is working realignment He's appointed leaders He's appointing new elders He's bringing in people there's a, there's, a, there's a gentle alignment happening here because the Holy Spirit is busy working the order that He wants make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace uh, James says sorry I'm just flowing here a little if you don't mind James says, uh, if you have selfish ambition and vain conceit, there you will find disorder. Every time the Holy Spirit is trying to create an order, selfish ambition always will pull that into disorder because we're not about ourselves, we're about what He wants. So if we, if we understand this together, the Holy Spirit is trying to work an order in this church. When He does, when we stand in unity, when we are submitted to His will, when we're working with the leaders as He's appointed, suddenly you're going to see a mess of, outgoing, ongoing impact in your community, other church leaders, other ministries other senior government officials you're going to find a reverberating glory that breaks out into your community, you're going to have an impact way beyond the size of your church you're going to punch above your weight bat above your status, this is part of the call of God on you I'm going to ask Michelle to come up because she had a word and I might have stolen it all but uh, she got it first so
1: i think it's just a, it's a confirmation what i feel like the lord showed me and the exciting thing is I, I was praying before we arrived here and i asked the lord um yesterday early morning what what he had for you and through the week we've been praying about this time but i don't know if you remember last time we were here i had a word about the lord calling you to build and uh, yeah. build and that the lord that over the years um, of your parents leading that set such a strong foundation and now you were building on that foundation. But I felt like the Lord said, just as you call to build, I've also placed you here to bring order, which is very much with what Greg has shared, and to set things in place. And I felt like he said, you will set things in order in the spiritual realm that will manifest in the natural. Things that don't belong or doctrines that are causing damage will start to be challenged. And And it's going to come through relationship. Sometimes that word challenge feels negative. I don't think it's negative. I think the Lord's going to open up opportunities. Um, I felt like he said, that which has been accepted will be questioned because I'm sending a wind of truth out from here. And the fragrance of heaven is going to go out from here. Very cool. And I felt like the Lord said, just as new mantles are being placed on shoulders today, what the Lord's doing is not only setting watchmen on the walls, he's increasing the watchmen on the walls of this place but he's also increasing watchmen on the walls of the city because God has called you to impact your city. And he says, you will see first what I'm doing and you will pray things in and you will pray things out. I think God's going to show you things in the city to, to, to call into your city and things to say, no, we're not accepting that in the city. And the Lord said, the corporate anointing will be demonstrated in what I will do among you. And that's what Greg was referring to. We've seen it in physical healings what God's doing in the spiritual realm. I felt like you said you're going to see things and you're going to see places that are out of order be set in order. Marriages are going to come in here that might be hanging on a thread, but they're going to be set in order because they come here. People that have with financial struggles. I feel like finances that might even be out of order, the Lord's going to come, bring people here and finances are going to be set in order. Relationships are going to be set in order. And I felt one of the things I just want to um, add, maybe to pray for at some time, is I feel like there's some people here with with adult children relationships that might be out of order, and the Lord's going to bring those into order again, because He's a Redeemer, and bodies that are out of order are going to be healed. But I felt like the, the Lord just says, watch for the testimonies. One of the things He said to us years ago was, watch for the clusters. And I felt like, He wanted to encourage you to do that as well. And I know you do that well as an eldership team. You're very on top of what God's doing in in your church. But watch for the clusters. Watch to see if there's two or three marriages that you hear testimonies. Because that's what God wants to do in in your city. But the Lord's called you here to be a catalyst for order. And then I just wanted to end with a scripture in Titus 1.5. It says, the reason I stationed you in Crete was so that you could set things in order and complete what was left unfinished. And to raise up and appoint church elders in every city, just as I've instructed you, the reason that I've stationed you in Leesburg was so that you could set things in order and complete what has been left unfinished. Praise God.
0: Praise God. We're so excited about this moment, and um, because of that, I, I just get—we we just got faith. So, if you have, as Michelle said, if some of your adult kids an alignment issue that's out of order, and you want the, uh, the Holy Spirit to bring it back into order, if you have scoliosis, hip problems, back problems, something that's misaligned in your body, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are, and we're just going to pray for you. So, anybody like that—if there's any alignment issue uh, in your body—I feel like the Lord wants to realign some things. Woo! What a body. <laughs> What a party. Now I'm going to ask the people who's sitting around these people, if you would just gently lay your hands on them, because we're going to do this together. The reason, the reason I feel like the Lord wants us to do this together is a demonstration of how the Lord is going to impact your community. It's not going to be one or two superstars pulling off spiritual things from the front. It's going to be the body of Christ working together, and we're going to see miracles. Father, I believe you spoke this, and so Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I break the order that exists I break it off these people and I release, Holy Spirit, a new alignment. I release a new alignment, Lord. Hips come into line. Scoliosis, be straightened up. Go away in Jesus' name. You have no hold. Backs, shoulders aligned, Lord. Ankles, knees, hips, I release, Lord, the healing of God. I rebuke the pain. You will go away. You have no right to hold. Anything, Lord, that's misaligned internally. Anything reproductive, Lord. Anything in the stomach area. I just rebuke it all. It must go because, Lord, you have spoken a word of alignment. Your anointing on this church is for this alignment. So I release it now, Lord. And I thank you for it, Lord. Children who are, who are Lord, not aligned, we call them back. Come on now. We break any misalignment. No. The anointing of God, the power of God, the call of God on this church is for alignment. Demonstrated, Lord, in Jesus' name. So, Father... Just watch this. More, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We rebuke pain and we release peace and we thank you for miracles, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's a time for us. If you would indulge us, I know that um, we could take a little more time and I know we've taken some already, but I'd I'd like, because this is a big deal so i'm going to ask josh and rachel and tommy and carly if they would come up and we're just going to say something about them i believe that it seems good to us and to the holy spirit that these people should be appointed as leaders jesus said it paul said it and peter said it jesus said do not lord it over those entrusted to you because this is what the pagans do Paul says, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. 1 Peter 5, Peter says, uh, Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but eager to serve. We believe that, that these people have set it in their hearts to be those kind of people who are eager to serve. And that's exactly the kind of person that Paul admonishes the Corinthians. He says, these people, the household of Stephanas has committed himself. They have committed themselves, devoted themselves to the service of God's people. He says, such people you ought to submit to. And it's been my experience in the church that more damage comes into churches through bad governance than by any other issue. And more blessing comes into churches by good governance than by any other issue. And I'm convinced that these, these are authentic, genuine people, right? When we had lunch with them t- yesterday, I suggested to them, please don't change who you are. There's not like you have to change who you are and become this robotic pastoral figure and wife of a pastoral figure. Because God didn't appoint somebody that he wanted them to become. He, he's appointing them who they are right now. And so... What, he, what the Holy Spirit has been doing in their hearts, those desires, those passions, those giftings that they already have is why He's calling them to a place of prominence. I wanted them to be up front so that you could see them because this is what the responsibility is for them. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that if we get the opportunity to preach. There is some responsibility that the Holy Spirit is going to put on them, but there's some responsibility the Holy Spirit's putting on you and how to make their job a joy. See, the Scripture says... Hebrews thirteen seventeen. submit to your leaders and obey their authority. And he says, do this in such a way that you make their job a joy. Don't make it painful for them. Don't be obnoxious. In other words, your job is to make their job a joy. Make them glad they're elders. Some days you go, man, Lord, are you sure? I don't know. Uh, because here's what the scripture says. Because if you make their job hard, there's no advantage to you. Now, I didn't write that. The Bible says that. If you make their job hard, there's no advantage to you. The way that God has set this up is that he has said, I want, in addition to the Holy Spirit presiding, I want leaders, overseers, people who take the responsibility to watch over my people. I want shepherds with skin on. I want people who will stand on the walls and watch and make sure that you're doing okay. He said, I, I want somebody here. And he says to the church, listen, guys, make every effort to make their job a joy. So I'm going to ask Clayton and Jen if you would come up. Ken and Michelle, will not you join us, please? Michelle, come up. Uh, we just want to, if you don't mind, just take a little moment and just speak to Josh and Rachel and then... Tommy and you know Carly, we, we just want to take just a little moment to recognize what God is doing on their life.
1: Well, we're excited to be here. Um during worship, I just felt like there was such a sense in God's heart that this is this is a holy moment. And it is a holy moment today. I was asking the Lord for just some words of encouragement for both of you as you step into this new place that the Lord has equipped you for and prepared you for so I just want to first of all encourage you you are well prepared and equipped for this in him but to Josh and Rachel I felt like he says to you that he wanted to encourage you as a couple first of all to say that that your strengths and your giftings are perfectly aligned for this season and and that you're going to experience that in an even greater way and sometimes you even thought we're so different our giftings are so different but I saw the Lord just put them together so so beautifully. And, and it's going to be a, a season. This is going to be a season of great joy for you. It's going to be a season as you serve the body for you personally too. I feel like the gift of, of just peace and joy as you see the giftings aligned for such a time as this. And I felt like he said it's by design for this time that, that you're coming onto this leadership team. Because your insight as to where things belong. And how they should be placed aligns with the call of God on this house at this time. Because most often the Lord appoints elders, puts them in place for the season that the church is in. And and I feel like as the Lord is calling you as a church to to set things in order in, in the spiritual realm, in your community, that's part of the gift on your life, to set things oh, nice. in order. And even as people come and make this their home, that you as a couple are quickly going to see and recognize where their seat at the table is and that's a tremendous gift to people coming in yeah, yes. just as this house is called to build when whenever there's a building there has to be a plan in in place and and i feel like you're going to need to see what the next steps are um, and i know this is some of your natural gifting because we, we spoke about that but i feel like some of this um, ability to see where things are need to be set in place um, as new people come in as, as the church grows is is not only going to come by your natural gifting which is wonderful but I feel like it's also going to come by revelation it's going to come even through dreams you're going to see things in the scripture I see that I see the Lord opening up scripture to you that you're going to know this is where this has to go and and I felt like the Lord says that you're architects in the spirit he's called you to architect things in the spirit and then Rachel I just want to do um end with this I feel like the Lord's given you a tremendous gift of wisdom that you carry wisdom and that Women are going to come to you younger and older than you. And I feel like the Lord says he, to encourage you to, to lean Christ into God. what you're feeling, to lean into what's your heart, because you are hearing from him, because there's, there's a, a wisdom and a depth that that this body needs at, at this time. For Tommy and Carly, the Lord spoke to me through Ezekiel 47, and for time I, I won't read it now, but in chapter 47, and you can read it. It's how Ezekiel was led into, he says, you know, the my guide was, talking. the Lord led him into deeper waters, into into deeper waters, and I know that's your passion to lead people into a deeper walk in the spirit, um, because you you talked to us about that, but I feel like the Lord says you're going to lead many into deeper places in the spirit, because that's in your heart, and you will draw many in that haven't found a place of acceptance, even people that might be just a little, they don't quite fit in, it's going to be, you're going to bring them in to a place where where they fit. And f- further on in the chapter, it says wherever the river flowed, there was healing. And I feel like the Lord says wherever you go, there will be, he- will be healing. Healing will come. And just as Ezekiel prophesied to the dead bones, I also feel like you're going to breathe the breath of God into circumstances. And circumstances and lives and things that look absolutely hopeless, you're going to find yourself in those places. And you're going to breathe the breath of God into those, into those places. And I feel like the Lord says that you will reintroduce people to the God of hope. There's an anointing on you to release hope in, into hopeless places. And I feel like that's even going to be stronger after today. I feel like the Lord says there's going to come a stronger anointing on you to break a spirit of hopelessness. And some of it's going to be behind the scenes. You're going to go to war against, against this particular thing. A hopeless spirit will break and it will lose its power in your presence. It, so hopelessness will go and hope will come. Your, the Lord's called you to be carriers of his hope.
2: I just want to obviously say to the church, I know okay. this is right now all about them, but the, the reason we called it Expansion Sunday, because it's, it's not really about them. You know, whenever there's a leadership, it's for the continuation of God's people. So I encourage you, even though they're getting prophetic words, not to dial out, not to, okay, while well, they're talking to them. I want to encourage you to be a part in your heart. You know, if you want to write down a prophetic word or something afterwards, it's a great time for you to ask the Lord that. So just be with us if, 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 that's, if that makes sense. This morning I came to the office. That's why I was a little bit surprised. And, um, and the Lord spoke to me about Ezekiel 47. And it's not the first time this happened before me and Michelle. So the Lord spoke to me about Ezekiel 47. And the concept was, as we know, he goes into, and it was about, he measures a cubit. He walks in, he's up to his ankles, knees, and so forth. But I felt in my heart the Lord was saying for both of you, just as, as couples, that the point of it is to walk ahead of the people, but to go in to where you are no longer in control. You know, it says they were in a river which they could not stand. They couldn't, I mean, it was raging. And it's a deep, deep sense of trust where, Lord, I don't have control over things anymore. And he's like, yeah, I know. It's wonderful. And when people see that, but then there's this interesting part of the text, which again I read this morning. It's so amazing that, that that God does that. That it says He measured out, you know, a cubit or a thousand cubits, and then it says, and He, the the, the man who was with uh, with him, it says, and He brought him through the waters. And then He measured out, and then He brought him. Only the Lord can do that. It's not something that you can say. I'm just going to go jump in. The Lord brings you through. And that's it. And he brings you deeper and deeper and deeper to a place where, Lord, I don't even remember who I was. And that generally happens. And then the other scripture I had for you, just as an encouragement, uh, Mark chapter 3. Now I've lost it. It says here in verse 13. uh, He went up on the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him that they may be with him and then that he might send them out to preach. It says in verse 23, so he called them to himself. And I just wanted to, the Lord put it on my heart to let you know the highest calling is to him. Not even to this position. It says he called them to himself so that they may be with him. And for their sake, that has to remain the highest calling. For your sake, that's the highest calling. That you are called to him. Deep, deep intimacy. And I encourage you that it will come through worship, scriptures, and prayer. That's never changed. In, th- in the last 2,000 years, that's never changed. But He calls you first to Himself. So that's what I wanted to encourage you with. Amen. Greg? I
0: think uh, if you guys would come, just stand a little further. We- we'd love to lay hands on you and pray for right. you. Because there's something that the Lord does. Uh, is an impartation. The scripture says the basic uh, doctrine of laying on of hands in Hebrews uh, 5 says... Uh, Laying on of hands is a, is a foundational doctrine. The, the truth is, if Scripture, the laying on of hands is, is for a number of things. Laying on of hands for healing, for the, for the release of healing grace. The laying on of hands is, is for the release of the baptism of the Holy Spirit sometimes. The laying on of hands is to impart gifting, and the laying on of hands is to establish people in a role in the church. Uh, to to impart authority but grace flows through the laying on of hands and that's what we want to do now so we're just going to lay the hands on them I'm going to ask you if you would just reach out your hand as a sign of agreement yeah we agree with this and and we just want to bless them so let's uh, let's do that father we just want to say for josh and rachel that lord we release them to this new role that you have commissioned them to you've called them lord and we thank you for them lord. what a beautiful heart these two have lord what a beautiful heart of the god what a beautiful passion for your people we thank you lord these are people there's no guile in them it's just passion and strength and we honor them lord but now lord we release to them an anointing a new mantle lord in jesus name to be the kinds of shepherds that you have purposed. Lord, we release to them wisdom and insight, prophetic insight, discerning of spirits. Uh, Words of wisdom, Lord, are going to flow like rivers from them, and a rich clarity, Lord, on what to do and where to go. I pray, Lord, that uh, you'd make them, Lord, people who bring strategy and clarity and vision to the house. And we thank you, Lord, for their heart which has been humble and true. So, Lord, we release to them a new day and a new mantle in Jesus' name. Yeah. Lord, for Tommy and Carly, we just bless them. We release, Lord, upon them a new mantle. We thank you, uh, Father, for a fresh anointing from your Spirit. We thank your Holy Spirit that they are going to experience a new, brand new day. Uh, uh, Lord, two and a half times is what I'm hearing. Lord, uh, just a different weight of... Of cloak on them. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, the rich flow of anointing. Thank you, Lord, for the weight of that um, beauty that, Lord, they'd stand up under it. It wouldn't be too heavy, but rather a perfectly fitting weighted coat. But, Lord, we, we release to them the ability to, to shepherd. We increase their ability, Lord, in uh, hosting people in their home and just their ability, Lord, to, to bless and uh, bring peace and to speak life. Uh, Lord, we pray that supernaturally you'd administrate through them, a, uh, Lord, a greater gift of administration to, uh, Lord, expand the anointing that's on their lives. That, Lord, it would go from beyond them into the ability to, to bring many, many others into it. And so we release, Lord, from them structure and fire. We bless them, Lord, with compassion and with wisdom and with grace, Lord, to be the kinds of shepherd that you've purposed in their heart that you wanted them to be. Now, Lord, we commission these two couples and their families into your hands. Watch over them, Lord. Keep them safe. Protect them, Lord. Keep them from evil and the evil one. Cause your smile and your blessing to be manifested in their families. Now, Lord, we bless this church and their leadership in it. We thank you, Lord, that because of their coming, there would be great rejoicing. And because, Lord, of of people who submit to them, there would be great fruitfulness. Lord, we bless this union. We bless this appointment. And Holy Spirit, to you, we surrender. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for the order you're creating. Thank you for the purpose that you have designed this church for. And to that end, Lord, we release them into their place. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen Amen. Amen. and amen. Thank you. Praise God! I want to just talk. If you would just pretend that it, I had an outstanding sermon, just I, really, I really did. Just tell somebody yeah, it, it was really good. It was gonna, it was gonna be really good. I just want to talk just as briefly as I can. I have to, I have to download an hour's worth of message into the next five minutes because I, I know we're we're out of time. But I want you to understand something because it's a helpful perspective. More damage comes into churches by bad government, more good comes into churches by good government, and it's so important we get this government piece right. So in studying the government and how God wants a church to be governed, I came across something that that just blew my socks off because in the Jewish culture, uh, Jesus, when he's in the Last Supper, says to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you, which was a very specific phrase that was used by a Jewish bridegroom At his engagement feast. And he had to say that phrase. It would be like in our culture who gives this woman to be married to this man? It's a, a phrase that's only used at a specific place in a marriage ceremony. And the Jewish groom would say, in the presence of all the witnesses at the engagement feast, I go to prepare a place for you. That was his public vow to his bride and he, and when jesus used that it was shocking we we sometimes miss it because our culture is different but to to the jews who were in the room he was he was engaging them and jesus said i i have to go and uh he said i'm going to go and prepare a place for you which is the promise the bride groom made the bride and he would say I go to prepare a place for you because in the Jewish culture the engagement was where they made their vows they didn't consummate their wedding but the groom would have to go away and provide for his bride he'd have to work hard and and save up money he'd also have to build a house when the house was built and he had enough money he could come back and collect his bride but it wasn't up to him it was up to his father his father could determine when it was the right time because if he left it up to the groom it would be like um, yeah, there was a stick house and, and there's about 50 bucks ready? you know. So dad said, no, 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 come, let's get this right, boy. Jesus said, Jesus said to his disciples, I don't know. The son doesn't know when I'll come back, not even the angels of God. Only the father knows when I'll come back. When they stopped Jesus, so at the, at the engagement feast, this is what the groom would do. He would say, I go to prepare a place for you. I don't know when I'm coming back. When it was time for him to come back. Uh, he would gather around a group of friends and they would have trumpets. They would l- make loud shouts at the outskirts of the city, blow trumpets so that she would know because he wouldn't tell her when he's coming back. He would just come back at night. And he'd blow, they'd blow trumpets and they'd shout at the outskirts of the city and she would know he's come back and she'd have to get dressed quickly she, from the time he went she had to keep her wedding dress ready and so when she heard the trumpets and the shouts she'd get herself ready and then if there were attendants, if there were servants they would run out into the night with lamps to light the way from where the bridegroom was coming into the bridal chamber remember Jesus told the parable about the guys who went out with lamps when they heard the shout at the, at the... now 1 Thessalonians 5 says that Jesus is coming back with a shout of the archangel with a trumpet call of God when they asked Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? He said, how can the attendants of the groom fast while he's with them? Jesus said, these are, these are my best men. We're at, we're at my engagement feast. It's like coming to the wedding feast, like your wedding, and go, well, how come your groomsmen are just partying? Go, well, hello. That's what Jesus basically said. These are the attendants of the groom. Uh, we're at my engagement feast. Of course they're partying. The day's coming when they won't, but right now, could you just wake up and understand the moment we're in? John the Baptist, the, the, the crowd, these disciples came because the crowds used to come to John and his disciples were, we're disciples of John and then he baptized Jesus. And now the crowd goes to Jesus. And John's disciples come to him and say, John, the, the crowd has all gone to that guy you baptized. And, and John said, yep, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. That's a fascinating answer. The crowd, the bride, belongs to the bridegroom. And he said, I kept telling you guys, I'm not the bridegroom. I kept telling you, I'm preparing the way for the bridegroom. I am the best man. That's what John called himself. <laughs> I'm the best man. And the bridegroom just showed up. And it's the most dumb thing on the planet for the best man in the wedding service to, to wait for the bride. You go, listen, buddy, your time is done. You go stand on the side. This is not the moment. John said to his disciples, guys, I kept telling you, I'm not the guy. I'm the best man. My job was to get everything ready. But now I've heard the bridegroom's voice in the room, so I must decrease. He must increase. Do you understand? So the New Testament understands and depicts this picture of the relationship between Jesus, his bride, and the attendance of his bride. Because the scripture says, when he ascended, Ephesians 4, he gave gifts to his church. These are skilled servants that are given by Jesus. When he went back to prepare a place for us, he left some skilled servants as servants, attendants of the bride. And he said, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They are the attendants of the bride. Their job is to make sure that the bride is well taken care of, to watch over her, and to equip her, to prepare her for his return. Are we tracking so when we appoint elders, these, they step up. These are pastors who are part of the fivefold ministry whose job it is to attend God's bride. Now, there is a unique relationship. There's a three-way relationship because usually people just look at the bride and the attendance and we either make the attendance over the bride or we make the bride over the attendance, right? But it's not either because I am a servant of the bride, but the bride is not my master. Jesus is my master. The bride is told to submit to me, but I'm not her Lord. Jesus is her Lord. So there's a three way relationship here. I am a servant of the bride. Paul said, We preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for his sake. I'm a servant of the bride, but the bride is not my master. So that means I don't serve the whim of the bride. My job is to equip the bride to become proficient. In, I'm the sword and the and the bridegroom said to me, I want you to equip my bride to be good with the sword. And I said, yes, sir. And he appointed me. I'm one of the best swordsmen in the world. This is my role. I'm a skilled servant. And he said, I'm going to go and prepare a place when I come back for my bride, because this is the eternal king of glory. And this is the eternal consort of the king of glory. I want her ready to be my queen. I want my bride to be beautiful so i'm giving skilled servants to her your job your responsibility is to make sure that she's good with the sword and so i'm there and i knock on the door princess it's time for your sword lesson and she says i'm not doing sword today bring me some coffee uh, I, I don't do coffee princess I, i'm the sword master but you're a servant yeah i am but i'm under a mandate from my master well, if you're a servant, bring me a coffee. Princess, I, I don't do coffee. What I do is teach you sword. Because when the master comes back and you don't know the sword, he's not going to beat you. He's going to, hey, look at me. I told you to equip her with a sword. So, Princess, I'm not going to do sword to that. Princess, I'm going to give you five minutes, then I'm coming in. And we're going to do sword. See, there is an authority. On the attendance of the bride, but it is not to tear her down. It's always only ever to, tear, to build her up. Does it make sense? So we have to understand this three-way relationship: the bridegroom, his bride, and the skilled servants that he gives to her to be her attendants. I am an attendant of the bride. You're part of the bride. We both have one master. Paul said, "I am. I'm frightened." That somehow by the serpent's cunning, your minds may have been led away from pure and sincere devotion to Christ. But I promised you to one husband, to Christ. I am an attendant of the bride. My passion is that the bride falls in love with the bridegroom. That's my job. I have to equip her. So quickly, and then we threw promise. Let me read you. This was a a good sermon. I just want you to know. (laughs) So here are a few things how the bride should relate to the servant. You should respect them as skilled servants. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Respect those who work hard among you over you in the Lord. You must lovingly hold them in high regard. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Thessalonians 5. You must obey them. Hebrews 13, 7. Obey your leaders, submit to their authority. You should honor them. 1 Timothy 5. Elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. That word actually in the Greek means double salary. I've never been in a biblical church yet. (laughs) You should imitate them. Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders. Watch their life. Imitate their faith. You should pray for them. 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Timothy 2. I urge you that prayers, requests, intercessions be made for rulers and everybody who has authority. This is how The attendants should relate to the bride. They should equip her. Not perform in front of her. Too many people are performing in front of the bride and the bride doesn't know how to do what we just did. I'm not called to perform. I'm called to equip. It's a very different picture. Build her up. Protect her. Be examples for her. Serve her. This is what we're supposed to do. Now, let me close with this. I think you're going to discover... Wave upon wave of a new expansion coming by the Holy Spirit. This is what God has set aside for you. Uh, um, The best thing I can say is get on His page. Get on His page because the Holy Spirit has an agenda here. I promise you. This is more than just us attending somewhere on a Sunday so that we got our spiritual fill for the week. There is an agenda by the Holy Spirit. And if you'll get on the page, God's going to do some profound things, not just in this church, but in this city because of this church. That's the will of God. Let me close in prayer. I'm going to hand back to Clay. Father, Lord, what an honor. What an honor, Lord, that my name should be linked to Jesus. What a profound honor, Lord, that my calling should come from you. What an amazing thing, Lord, that you've called this house to. And the things, the Holy Spirit, that you're preparing to do, Lord, we just want to say we, we're getting on your page, Lord. I know, that you've, I know you know all things, Lord. You know this is true. You've found here, Lord, of people that you can trust that have said, Lord, we want what you want, whatever that is. So, Lord, I commend this house to you. I thank you for these new, Lord, eldership couples and family. I thank you, Lord, for Clayton and Jen. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in them and through them. And I thank you, Lord, for appointing them to lead this at this time. But what a moment this is. What a season for this church. What a unity, Lord, is on this team. We bless this unity. We bless the unity of this house. We bless, Lord, the, the unity of the spirit that you are creating. We bless, Lord, the massive, massive impact that is going to happen through this church because you have ordained it. Let it be to your glory.